Welcome, everyone, to the weekly all-access SmackDown audio review. My name is Chris Shore, and joining me, as always, is Jake Barnett, and we are reviewing SmackDown that aired on February the 17th, 2012. It's the go-home show for Elimination Chamber this Sunday. And, of course, Jason Powell and I will be along Sunday evening with double coverage of Elimination Chamber, and then we will be doing another audio review just like this one, except that one's going to be members only. And so if you like what you hear today from Jake and I and want to hear what Jason and I have to say after that pay-per-view on Sunday, you need to be a .NET member. And all you got to do to do that is head over to ProWrestling.net, look on the right-hand side of the page, there's a link for you that says .NET member sign-up. Click there and we'll get you started, Seven fifty a month. Now, if you want to take the monthly option, if you take the yearly option, five fifty a month, take two bucks off each month for you. And now's a good time to join up because the road to WrestleMania, while it begins at the Royal Rumble, it kicks into super high gear, obviously, after Elimination Chamber. Six weeks away to WrestleMania, of course, that headline by John Cena and The Rock. There will be a ton of news that will be breaking over the next few weeks as we build into WrestleMania. Our members get to see most of that news for free. Uh, and if you want to have access to that, plus all the audio we do each week, Jason does a uh, WWE Raw audio breakdown every week, as well as a TNA breakdown done by Will Pruitt. Sometimes that's all access, but most of the time that's just for our members. Uh, Will and Jay get together every week and do the .NET Countdown, where they talk about the best and the worst in professional wrestling. I do a show every Wednesday called The Audio Slant, where I look at some current events, some things that happened that week in wrestling history, try to review a DVD and take a look around the indie scene and what's going on there. Jason comes along on Fridays for a weekly Q&A audio where members are allowed to ask both wrestling and non-wrestling questions. And then Jason and I team up every Thursday for our flagship show, .NET Weekly, where we review the entire news of the week, often break new news that hasn't found its way to the website just yet. If you want access to all that audio, plus access to the ad-free version of the site, the .NET Members Forum, and the .NET Members Blog page, simply head over to ProWrestling.net and click on the .NET Members Sign Up. We will get you going as we begin the, the hard push to WrestleMania in Miami. Jake, this was the last opportunity for WWE to put some heat on uh, Elimination Chamber going in, and they had to do something because Randy Orton is still suffering from some lingering injuries. The the, uh, the story, as best I can tell at this point, is that uh, he's still suffering. His back is still hurting, which he went out for. They did the that stair spot with Wade Barrett a few weeks ago where he went out for a couple of weeks. They were afraid at that time it was going to be months and months of time for rehab. It ended up being just a few weeks. But it doesn't look like he's uh, he's really healthy yet and ready to start taking bumps on that steel that is built around the elimination chamber. So he has been pulled. The storyline is that it was a concussion uh, from the, the title, uh, from the blow he took from Daniel Bryan on Monday Night Raw when Bryan hit him with the uh, the World Heavyweight Championship. So he is out of the Elimination Chamber, and they had to replace him. And I guess we just need to start there. That You get an opportunity to put major heat on Elimination Chamber because you got a last-second entrant into the chamber, and our choice, WWE's choice for us is Santino Morella. Is this the best call they made? Well, I guess they decided to go for the feel-good moment. You know, I mean, and to be fair, I mean, if you watch the show, you know, the, when Santino eliminated uh, David Otunga and you know celebrated the victory, he got a major crowd reaction, which you know was was good to see because it's nice to see uh, any any crowd pop huge for something on a on a WWE main event. So uh, you know, they, but they they did not put any heat on the chamber itself. 
I mean, the uh, the other four competitors, or the other five competitors did a somewhat decent job of that in the show, but nothing surrounding the mystery about uh, who was going to replace Randy Orton was all that exciting. And, and, you know, Santino being in the match, you know, while it's, it's, it's fun in this moment where, you know, you get to watch Santino celebrate like, like he does with his, uh, you know, his little trumpet move and everything else, and that's, you know, that's funny. But, it, you know, the, he doesn't really add anything to the chamber match. Uh, you know, it's the same thing we said about Kali a few weeks ago. It's just a, a name, but it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it was it was a great moment for the crowd. I mean, there's no question about that. And and part of me, as it played out, was sitting there saying, uh, you know, I, this is this is the Royal Rumble payoff from last year. I mean, that crowd went insane last year when it looked like Santino might eliminate Del Rio and and win the Rumble. And I, this was the payoff moment for that. I guess it was uh, a way to go back to that and actually send the crowd home happy instead of the uh, the, the Del Rio win that ended up happening two years ago. So, you know, it was, it was a nice moment for the crowd. Yeah, I, wow. Santino Morella as, as your choice, I mean, he's, he's certainly over. There's no question about that whatsoever, but he's not over in the way that you want your champion to be over. And just the idea of him competing for the World Heavyweight Championship makes my head hurt. And I think it makes a lot of people's head hurts too, because this was, this was, you know, revealed Tuesday night. It was a spoiler, obviously, from the tapings. Uh, again, the show was taped in Fresno, California on Tuesday. And, but, but, you know, so we kept it as a spoiler on the site. Obviously, we try to protect people as much as possible who don't want to know. But WWE was tweeting that night. They put it out on the website that night. I mean, they, they did not try to hide the fact that Santina Morella was the guy who won, uh, which upset I know quite a few people. Besides just the fact that it was Santino, WWE was not doing anything to keep it a secret. Uh, but I, you know, I, it begs the question because we saw this was it last year's Elimination Chamber or two years ago with Kofi Kingston? I don't remember which, but where, you know, you get attacked and get beat up and you can't you can't uh, perform in the, the, the chamber. I guess it was, what, two years ago or three years ago maybe with Chris Jericho uh, attacking Kofi Kingston and taking him out. Do you think that's where we're headed with Santino? We do see Mark Henry in this show. We'll talk about, you know, what he did and, and what, what he was there for for just a moment before his, his run-in with Big Show. But uh, you know, he demanded to be put into the chamber. Do you think that ultimately this allows Mark Henry to beat up Santino and take his spot heading into Elimination Chamber? Well, it's definitely not out of the question. And you know, based on uh, you know Henry's accosting of Teddy Long backstage, uh, you know, in this show, I mean, it, he definitely wants to be in the chamber. So it's something that they could do if they wanted to, you know, give Santino the the comedy moment where you know during his entrance and then. You know, have that ripped away from him. I mean, that would be uh, would put a, quite a bit of heat on Mark Henry, and it would definitely put a lot of heat on him for that match in particular. So, yeah, I think that could work. Whether they go that route, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought they were going to have Kali uh, out of the chamber by now through some weird situation. So I'm, I'm surprised that he's still advertised as well. You know, it might be one of the situations where that was the plan. Kali was the guy that was going to be taken out, and now that they, you know, were short with it with Randy Orton. Uh, Kali ends up having to, to work the entire match, and Santino was the guy that gets taken out. That's certainly a possibility. I, as far as the chamber match itself for SmackDown, you and I, when we did our show last week, we were both in agreement that we thought it was going to be Randy Orton winning the championship and going on to face Sheamus at WrestleMania. They may put Daniel Bryan in as a triple threat, uh, and that may still be the case. You know, we, we may see Bryan retain and we get that triple threat at WrestleMania, but. We, we both seemed confident that at least it was going to be Randy Orton versus Sheamus 
for that World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. And now it can't be Randy Orton, at least as the champion. So we were both confident it was Orton winning last week. I am now convinced that it's going to be Daniel Bryan retaining unless Mark Henry does attack uh, Santino and comes in. I think if that happens, I think that signals a Mark Henry win. Uh, but where do you stand now as far as what you think is going to happen for the outcome of the SmackDown Elimination Challenge? Well, you know, I, I can still see the triple threat happening. I mean, I, you know, Orton has got, uh, you know, he, he's got a, a reason to want to come back after Brian's storyline-wise. Uh, you know, Sheamus has his guaranteed shot. And if Henry doesn't enter, I, I think we can be fairly, um, you know, I, I would be shocked if it was any of the other competitors picking up the title. So if it's it's, either, it's going to be either Henry or Brian on Sunday, I would guess, if Henry's a surprise entrant. And I would lean towards Brian anyway, um, you know, just because I think the the Sheamus and Brian and Orton storyline would be probably more interesting at this point uh, than than just you know having Henry get be the mysterious title winner and sending Sheamus after him. Um, you know, I think there's a lot more interesting matches for Henry than Sheamus at this point. I mean, there, yes, Henry's a successful monster heel, and uh, and Sheamus is the the Rumble winner, but yeah. I, I don't know. It seems like they've just done that too recently for it to mean anything at this point. Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly you make a valid point there, and, and I don't know. It's it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think they're in a mess right now. I think it speaks volumes, and, and we're, you know we're not going to chase this rabbit hole or go down this rabbit hole here, but it speaks volumes how thin the roster is. I made the point in .NET Weekly this week when uh, Will Pruitt joined me this week because Jason is on vacation uh, that. You know, it, when you look at Santino, all these people freaked out about Santino being the guy. And, you know, from a wrestling standpoint, from a seriousness of wrestling standpoint, yes, Santino's a terrible decision. Why in God's name do you put him in there? But when you look at it from a star power point of view, when you look at who's already in the rubble, or excuse me, in the elimination chamber for SmackDown, you take Randy Orton and Mark Henry out of the equation. You've got Christian Hurts, you've got... Uh, Del Rio hurts, you've got Ray Mysterio hurts, you've got all these people hurt that can't go in. Who's left? You know, really, who else from this show could you pick to put in there? Assuming Mark Henry's hurt still as well. You know, go, go look at the matches this week. Who are you going to put in there? Eddie Biasi? No. Unico? No. I mean, David Otunga, Drew McIntyre, Ezekiel Jackson, that's, you know, that was three of your top four with Santino, or final four in, in the Battle Royal. Are any of those guys right now bigger stars or, or, or more more credible than Santino? Tragically, no, they're not. And so while he's not the smartest, I won't say smart, that's not true, while he's not the best pick from a seriousness of wrestling point of view, from a pure star power point of view, there was nowhere else to go, was there? Not really, unless you go, you know, the complete opposite direction and have somebody new, so, so you know, call somebody up from, FCW or something and have them be a, you know, a surprise random entrance into this thing and have them pull out a victory. I mean, the, that, that's really the only other option. I mean, if you're going to try to do it based on star power alone, then Santino was probably, you know, the choice you had to make. If you, you know, if you want to go the opposite direction and give somebody green a chance to, you know, make a good impression, then you could have done that too. But obviously, you know, heading into WrestleMania, you want to have all the star power you can get on these uh, major shows leading into it. So. I think, you know, despite how, you know, it might, uh, you know, hurt some people's feelings not to see a better worker in there or a serious worker in there, it's probably the best move because 
there's a lot of ways they can work around having a comedy character in a, in a chamber match. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I almost hope he does compete because I'd be interested to see what they can do with him in the chamber. Uh, it could be a lot of fun. Who knows? I, I mean, Santino can be very entertaining. So it, it will be interesting to see what happens on Sunday, and we will again be back on Sunday, Jason and I, for double coverage of that and an audio review. But let's go through the show, or, or you know what, real fast, since you said bringing somebody new, just something totally off subject, the two-second conversation, I would love to get your opinion, because I know you're a guy who has watched this guy in the indies, and uh, specifically with Ring of Honor in the past, and uh, Chris Hero has been finally signed by WWE, we reported that last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was, and he has now been added to the Florida Championship Wrestling page, he has his new WWE name, and it is Cassius Ono. Cassius with a K, Ono, O-H-N-O. What do you think of Cassius Ono for a name, Jake? Hmm. Uh, I get it. I mean, you know, the initials K-O, and he always went by the knockout kid. So, you know, I yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's something, I guess it's a little bit tied to his, you know, his former uh, life out in the Indies. But it is uh, another one of those generic kind of, you know, nondescript, names that you really have to be in on the joke in order to, or not really the joke, but, you know, kind of in on his his previous life to really understand any significance of it. So, I don't know. I mean, hopefully that's not what he'll debut as in, in WWE, but uh, it's definitely, you know, one of those names that, well, <laughs> we need a name to trademark, and uh, you're not going to go, you know, you're not going to own your own name. So, here you go. Here's one we generated out of our computer. So, that's kind of what it feels like to me. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's an interesting name to say the least. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully it's not what we get when we when he finally moves up to WWE, which I, I you know I would expect will be very soon. I think he and uh, Claudio Castagnoli, who uh, they were the kings of wrestling and uh, back in ROH and all the independent scene, he's now wrestling as Antonio Cesaro. Claudio is. Uh, I expect to see those guys sooner rather than later. I think it's very interesting the collection of people you have right now in FCW with. Both of those guys, Tyler Black, who wrestles as Seth Rollins uh, for WWE now, and, and there are others down there that uh, you know you kind of have a a pretty big ROH alumni group going on down there in FCW, and some people wonder if that's going to come up that those guys are going to be coming up as a group right after WrestleMania. Uh, you've got CM Punk sitting out there with ROH background, you've got significant ROH background, you've got uh, Daniel Bryan with significant ROH background, so. It will be interesting to see if those guys are coming up soon and what they can offer. But let's run through this show real fast. Again, this was SmackDown taped on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, in Fresno, California. And Jason went on vacation that day and left me here uh, with a wife and four daughters on, vac- on Valentine's Day and have to cover the site. He uh, apparently hates me and just couldn't tell me with words. He decided to show it with his actions. <laughs> But we get a video opening the show that recaps the Randy Orton and Big Show match from Raw, including Daniel Bryan's attack on both men. Uh, supposedly that's that, uh, again, that blow from Daniel Bryan with the World Heavyweight title, uh, his title belt is what caused Orton to have a, a concussion from a storyline standpoint. When the video was over, they cut backstage to a, a, a steaming Randy Orton sitting on the couch, uh, just sitting there brewing. Uh, looking all, or brooding, excuse me, looking all upset next to, to Teddy Long. Teddy, I thought, was actually pretty good here talking to to, to Orton saying, you know, look, I, I understand you're mad. I understand, you know, you want to get your hands on Brian, but you are not cleared to wrestle. You have a concussion. The doctor just said you cannot compete. You cannot compete tonight in your scheduled match with, with Daniel Bryan. You cannot compete in Sunday's elimination chamber. And I have security right outside that door that is here to escort you from the building 
And the reason why is because I know you, I know what you'll want to do, and you have got to go because you are not cleared. Orton stood up, kind of glanced back at Teddy like he was going to say something, and then just turned and walked out of the room, and then we had our, our traditional opening video. Uh, good stuff from, I mean, from both guys here. Orton's lack of saying things. We're, we're, we're often critical of Orton on SmackDown because he tends to give these paint-by-number promos. It's just kind of the same thing from him each and every week. Even when he was doing great stuff with Christian, it's, it's like, okay, yes, it's the same thing you said the week before and the week before that. Uh, but here, his, his lack of comments I thought played well, and Teddy, who I'm very critical of all the time because he's just, he's just poorly, he just does a poor job of, of conveying emotion sometimes. I thought this was very well done. Yeah, no, I thought it worked. You know, I, I thought it was kind of weird that Randy was in his ring gear, but other than that, yeah. uh, you know, everything went pretty smoothly. I mean, you know, Orton was able to, you know, use some facial expressions to convey, can, you know, convey his frustration without talking much, and, and you know, Teddy managed to keep the, uh, you know, the the, the jive out of his uh, promo, I guess, during this segment because he didn't really have the, the, his normal cadence. He, he did a decent job of being somber, which is out of character, I guess, for what we normally see from him. But, uh, yeah, it, it worked. It was only about a minute long, and, I, you know, I think it fired up the show pretty good. And then we cut to the ring, obviously, after the uh, after the opening video, when we get ring introductions for our first match of the night, Big Show and Great Khali defeating Cody Rhodes and Wade Barrett at 3 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, Khali takes, uh, does the brunt of the works, does most of the selling for his team, gets the hot tag to Big Show at the end, along with Wade Barrett. Uh, he ends up just slamming Barrett around, hits the big spear on Barrett, Shoves Cody Rhodes over the top rope to the floor and really, Cody did the backflip over the top rope and went over fast. I mean, that that was kind of startling at how quick he went over the top rope, uh, the, the speed in which he spun around and landed on his feet on the ground. Uh, and so that we get the chokeslam on Ferris for the pinfall victory. And then Kali comes up to the show after the match and starts talking to him. Show just stares at him for a second and then hits him with a WMD, knocking him out. And then, as you put it, show storms backstage looking, uh, let me get the exact terminology here, I thought this was pretty good, looking both angry and a bit constipated. Uh, when I read that, I thought, okay, that was a bit funny. That was kind of funny. And then I actually went back and watched it again and went, no, that's pretty fair. That's kind of what he looked like <laughs> at that point. I, you know, an okay match, of course, the purpose was to get four guys who were in the Elimination Chamber out there to show, you know, this is the kind of interaction we're going to get. You don't want it to too much here because you are going to have, assuming nobody gets eliminated before our, all four of these guys are in the ring, this is what you're going to get on Sunday. So you don't want to give away too much here. And, you know, it's Kali selling, which is, you know, is only going to be so much anyway. But for what it was, it was okay. I, I, I mean, I, it, it's easy to rain crap on it because it's Kali, but I'm going to take the high road here and say, eh, it was okay. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, it felt kind of like a throwaway match. Like, you know, we, we knew exactly how this was going to happen and what the finish was going to be. When when all four guys that walked down to the ring, I mean, you know, they they rarely have the heels go over in this situation, and they rarely have smaller guys go over larger guys. So uh, you could kind of see this one coming. And I thought Kali did a pretty uh, decent job selling for what, you know, compared to what he's normally uh, able to do out there. And, and uh, he, he did the brunt of the selling in this match for his team, which, which was surprising to see considering, you know, the big show uh, – is the better uh, worker of the two, but it, it worked. And uh, you know, my, I guess my only uh, complaint would be that Rhodes and, and Barrett kind of continue to look like second-rate white workers out there with these big men, and that's just not the case at all. I think they could have a, a very competitive match with these guys, and and have, and have it not really look out of place. 
Yeah, my, my, my real complaint here is the same one I had last week. It's that Barrett took another loss. And But who else? I mean, you don't want Cody to take the loss. If you're not going to put the, the little guys over, so even the big guy's going to take the loss. And if you're not, you don't want to put Cody, you know, have Cody take the loss because he is the higher ranked of the two right now between he and Barrett. So it's, it's got to be somebody, and it's Barrett here. I mean, he's – God, they just – I worry that they're doing too much damage to this guy. Um, but, well, you know, hopefully after after WrestleMania he can find a way to rebound. He, he is in serious trouble at this point. They they have just diminished him so much that it's uh, – you know, I, I worry that he's going to have to be sent back down to FCW and come up with a different look, go get some more tattoos or, or have that one taken off or something, get to shave his head, something that just people don't recognize him as Wade Barrett uh, for him to be able to get over. But – Maybe not. Maybe they've got plans for him coming up soon that's going to fix all this. Uh, show, of course, as you put Storms backstage, we cut backstage to Teddy Long on the phone with somebody, and he's kind of whining and complaining, I don't know who I'm going to have in the tournament. Randy Orton's out. What am I supposed to do? i got to put somebody in the chamber. And about that time, Mark Henry, who has been suspended for a couple of weeks now. Of course, that storyline, he's actually out nursing a groin injury. And uh, a knee, I don't know if he had a knee injury. He did hyperextend his knee in a match with Big Show a few weeks ago. Uh, and that led to him getting some time off. Uh, you know, he, uh, he Henry shows up. He uh, starts talking to Teddy. He goes, you know, you need to do the right thing. You need to put me in that match. Teddy kind of looks like he's thinking about it. He goes, yeah, you're starting to see things my way now. You need me in that match. You need me as your world heavyweight champion. Don't let your foolish pride stand in the way of doing what's right for business. Big Show storms in at that point and, and says, you know what, I did you a favor. I did that tag match for you. Now I need you to do me a favor. I, need, I want Daniel Bryan, and I want him tonight. Teddy started to speak. He goes, okay, I'll tell you what. Mark Henry interrupts him and says, hey, I don't need this from you. I don't need you back here at all. Take your huffing and puffing, your heavy breathing, and you slobbering and go on somewhere else, speaking, of course, to Big Show. Big Show kind of smiles like, oh, okay, you're trying to be a funny guy, and then pops him with a WMD. It's worth noting at this point, I thought it was weird that Mark Henry was in his gear as well. You mentioned Orton at the top of the show. <laughs> Henry here was in his gear wearing a, a T-shirt just to get punched in the face. Uh, but, uh, you know, Henry sells the shot. He goes to the ground. Big Show starts trashing the, the office that Teddy's in. He ended up punching the, uh, the TV, the monitor that was up on the wall. To me, the funniest part of this whole thing was the camera angles, uh, and, and they did it again later, I thought. Uh, when, they, when they had Wade Barrett and, and uh, Cody Rhodes backstage talking to Henry, they show that it's a fake room. You know, they show that it's the, the way the camera ends up going up and trying to dodge Big Show and whatnot and, and showing all the damage he's causing. You see the light rig that's built into the ceiling. You see where the ceiling actually ends. Um, and it just becomes obvious that it's a set and not an actual, an actual office, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but show trashes the place, turns over the furniture. Mark Henry widely rolls out of the way as show starts throwing stuff. Stuff almost crashed down on his head. So, uh, and we get Big Show screaming the whole time, give me what I want, give me what I want, you're going to give me what I want, Teddy. Uh, and that's how they left it was that place just destroyed and, and Mark Henry gone somewhere having been knocked out. You know, I, is this the beginning of the show heel turn? Obviously he wants Daniel Bryan for reasons, you know, he, Brian took the title off of him and has goaded him ever since. But, I mean, is, besides that, is this the beginning of a, of a show heel turn? There's a rumor that we're going to get Shaq at WrestleMania to, to fight Big Show. Obviously, Shaq is going to be the babyface, and I don't think it's going to be a, um, a Floyd Mayweather situation where they go, oh, Mayweather's going to be the, the babyface, and then the crowd turns on him. 
I can't see that happening with Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq is going to be the babyface in this in this matchup. And I don't think a babyface on babyface uh face off is you know, the big the big event between those two guys works here. I think show needs to be a heel for this to work. Assuming that we are going to get Shaq there, is this the beginning of that heel turn for Biction? Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of been seeing the seeds of it planted for a couple of weeks now, so I would not be surprised in the slightest. You know, if, if we see show, you know, start running over people and getting irrational, uh, you know, ahead of, uh, you know, a possible Shaquille O'Neal uh, match. And, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty good idea considering, you know, that Shaq is a major entity and, and uh, he's well-known. And the last time we saw him, you know, as guest host of Raw, he didn't look – Completely out of place in the ring, uh, you know, with with Big Show, and it was uh, it was all right. So, I mean, if they want to have a celebrity on the show, I can think of a lot of worse options, and and I think if that's the route they're going down, then this this makes some sense. The Big Show should be the heel. What do you think of this segment as a whole, as far as Show coming back and trashing the the Teddy Long's office and knocking out Mark Henry? You know, I uh, you know it, it was all right for what it was. I thought the Big Show gave a pretty you know decent performance. You know, trying to. Show he's a little bit high energy, and, and the promo between him and Henry was good. You know, I thought Henry got in some good lines there. You know, the, the sucker punch knockout, I mean, it is what it is. Big Show kills everybody with that punch. And, uh, you know, turning over the office was was actually kind of comical, and I got a kick out of it just because you could, like you mentioned, you could tell, you know, the walls were about a quarter inch thick, and they were in a in a plywood room. So, uh, you know, it, it worked, and, it, you know, I got some laughs, and it, it makes some sense storyline-wise, so I'm not gonna, not going to crap on it. After commercial, we did uh, we had a, a commercial that plugged the uh, Tuesdays this coming Tuesday's live SmackDown. It's, uh, we get uh, wrestling live from WWE both Monday and Tuesday this week, and uh, I, I will be covering the show live Tuesday night. Will you be covering live as well? Uh, yeah, as far as I know. So, yeah, and then we'll of course repost those reports on Friday. But uh, and then you get a recap of Big Show freaking out and tearing up uh, Teddy's office. Teddy is talking to the security that we, I presume, was the one that escorted Orton from the building earlier and telling them that he, they needed to find Big Show and take him from the building. And security says, we, we don't want anything to do with that giant. Teddy told them to man up and to uh, to get Big Show and get him out of the building. Uh, God, I just, anytime I see quote-unquote security on WWE shows, I, I just want to kill myself. You know, it, it, whether they come to the ring and I, I just... To me, it's the worst gimmick in all of wrestling. Are these indie guys that they bring in to play security guys? Am I am I just am I overreacting here? Or do I have you know? Is there some legitimacy to that? I mean, everybody knows the you know the gig. I mean, it's not uh, it's not any surprise to me. But yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of weird that they don't you know just have a couple of uh, people backstage, whether they're you know writers or or uh, you know wrestlers that haven't debuted on TV yet. I don't know what they would use, but you know they've used weirder things for security in the past. They have you know writers out there as EMTs and and you know ambulance operators and stuff. So I mean they can be used to fill roles. Maybe this is just you know one of those things they do just to to get a look at people. So frustrating. And of course we never actually see them remove him from the building throughout the course of the show. Uh, we go to the ring after this second match of the night. Unico defeating Ted DiBiase at a minute and 44 seconds. Of course Camacho. Uh, the, the South Island Mexican was out there with, uh, with Unico as well. Um, South Pacific Islander, excuse me, Mexican out there with, uh, with Unico as well. I'll get a, it's a roll-up finish. We got DiBiase won with a roll-up last week, so Unico has to win with a roll-up this week after Camacho interferes and kind of, um, you know, drops DiBiase's broken arm, broken wrist across the rope 
allowing Unico to score the roll up and then those guys celebrate at ringside. You know, are, are they, is this match going to be all in the Elimination Chamber, you think? There's only four matches announced thus far, and I think there's room for at least one more, if not two more. Um, probably just one more, though. Do you think this might be the match they put on the pay-per-view just to blow it off? It's possible. I mean, they, you know, there's worse matches they could put on the show, but I don't know. They really haven't given us a reason to care about this one yet. I mean, it's... It doesn't really feel personal to me. Maybe I'm uh, overreacting to the to the mid card storyline, but I mean, you know, all we know is that Ted is uh, Ted has his you know DiBiase posse parties, and and they uh, apparently you know Hunico and Camacho have a problem with it. And that's the only reason that we're given that these guys are even at odds with each other. So I don't know. It doesn't feel like a pay per view match to me, but they've done weirder things recently. Yeah, I, I don't reason I even say this because, like I said, there's room, and, and these guys have been wrestling each other for quite some time. So, I, taking a shot in the dark there, we get Daniel Bryan backstage. They uh, talked about him coming to the ring to speak, uh, but when we came back from commercial, we get the long video that recaps Shawn Michaels' appearance on Raw, uh, and I, they showed if they didn't show all of the uh, the promo between he and Hunter, they got uh, probably ninety percent of it. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I would say it was probably at least you know eighty ninety percent of it. It was a it was a pretty long video package. Yeah, and they didn't just play it straight through like they do a lot of times when they're showing stuff off of Raw. It was cut in with music and uh, you know a lot of the the, the the stalling. You know, when when one guy would say something and, and you know when Shaw would say something and Hunter would kind of stroll around for a second and look upset and then come back and speak. They cut out most of that, and so it was more rapid fire. And uh, but again, it was primarily all of of the event with those guys. Uh, you actually sent me a message in GChat at this point saying, you know, God, it's, I hate having to rewatch Raw on, on SmackDown. Uh, you know, Raw drew up 2.99 this past week. SmackDown has been drawing about a 2.122 every week. It probably doesn't hurt <laughs> to replay segments off mm-hmm. of Raw, considering the ratings Raw getting at this point. Uh, but then after that, we have the Usos doing their entrance with their dance, and then Primo and Epico and Rose's hips, as you put it, made their way out to the ring. Uh, for commercial, when we get back from commercial, we have a rock hype video that opens up first, and then we get our third match tonight. Primo and Epico defeating the Usos at 4 minutes and 43 seconds. Uh, same basic match these guys have had for the past couple of weeks. Epico ends up winning with the backstabber um, after uh, after Jay goes to the top and tries for the splash. Uh, Epico guys knees up and get that backstabber for the win. You know, they're good matches, uh, but they just, it, it's almost like the Unico and Ted DiBiase match in that there's just no forward progression with any of this. It's just, oh, okay, we've established a reason for these two teams to fight. They're, they're just going to continue to fight every week because they did last week. I mean, that seems to be it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, they, uh, you know, it's kind of a just complete continuation of the previous week. And they, they trade off wins, but. We have no reason to think these guys have any personal issues with each other, other than the fact that they're both tag teams and they both want the titles, which I guess is the most basic storyline there is, but uh, nothing personal, which kind of takes away from it. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's funny. I still hear very little reaction for uh, Epico and Primo whenever they come out. I, you know, it's like their music hits and everybody goes, boo, because they're facing the Usos, and the Usos are pretty popular, uh, you know, the, the people start to boo because they realize they're supposed to be heels and they cheat a little bit and whatnot. But then Rosa comes out, you know, dressed like, you know, she's in the the, the big knee-high boots 
and the, the little skimpy short and the little skimpy top and comes out swaying her hips and throwing them out of socket. And, and it's like the guys in the arena go, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> it, it, it's like they don't want to cheer it but they're, because they realize they're heels, but they don't really want to boo that either. I, you know, she's, she's doing a great job out there of, of drawing attention, but it doesn't, you know, it almost feels like she's working against them in getting any type of significant heel heat. Oh yeah, she's. I mean, she's way bigger than they are at this point. I mean, that's the whole reaction for their, for their entire act is her, uh, you know, her gyrating. So, I don't know if that was the point or if that's just kind of what it's become organically because, you know, the crowd just wants to react to that. But they're, I mean, they're not really getting any heel heat for a heel team. It's most of the crowd reaction is based on cheering for, you know, for her doing her her dance moves, which, you know, I, I guess while they're repetitive, are not bad to look at. But it's kind of muted cheering, too, I've noticed. It's almost like the guys are sitting there with their girlfriends or wives going, Yay, I can't yeah. cheer too loud or I'll get cut. Yay. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, uh, so it's, it's just weird. They, it, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're getting a reaction, but it just feels, like I said, it feels muted, like people are confused and don't really know what to do. Uh, we'll go to commercial, and after that, or excuse me, we'll show Don Daniel Bryan backstage heading towards the ring. After commercial, we get the big, long... Uh, Elimination Chamber hype video, and then Brian comes out to the ring. It's announced by Lillian Garcia. He uh, grabs a microphone, starts cutting a promo. One much better. We've been I've been critical of him the past two or three weeks. I certainly have the past two weeks. I've just not really thought that he's been on point. Uh, he's not done a good job of getting over. I I did find it hilarious after last week or two weeks ago we were talking about the fact that you know, a vegan lifestyle is just not something to boo that when he was making his entrance, somebody, some fan in the crowd had a sign that said carnivore, uh, which was really good. And um, just an interesting side note, because you and I talked about this briefly yesterday, I think it was, there's a, a story out that because uh, Daniel Bryan is, is very associated with PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, uh, and the Canadian government has decided that PETA might be eco-terrorists, uh, that, you know, this guy could be getting some bad press for WWE in the near future, depending on how far the Canadian government wants to push that, that PETA issue and, and his continued, you know, not only is he, is this in his character, but in real life, I mean, he's not this jerk in real life, apparently, obviously, but, you know, he is a vegan, uh, a guy that's, that's the lifestyle he lives. He has done things with PETA in the past as, uh, being a spokesperson for them or whatever, so, um, just, just an interesting side note there about Daniel Bryan and things that are going on because of his character and his lifestyle. Uh, but he came to the ring. He uh, he said that it was time to show everybody exactly who he was, and uh, he showed the video of uh, again the video of him attacking Randy Orton and Big Show on Monday Night's Raw. He said that uh, Big Show and Orton were not coming out to get him because they were scared. You know, not that they were been. Uh, escorted from the building, mind you, but that they were terrified of him. Everyone was terrified of him. He said that, that they were afraid of tapping out to him. Um, he's afraid of them beating him. He said that uh, he was going to, he was facing overwhelming odds at the Elimination Chamber, but just like he would have beaten Orton tonight had he been there, he was going to emerge victorious at the Elimination Chamber. Uh, at this point, the crowd ripped into a giant, you suck chance. Um, really, I mean, he got a great crowd response out of this uh, this promo. He then turned to Lillian Garcia on the floor and asked her to announce him the winner as uh, by forfeit of tonight's main event. Lillian, you know, kind of didn't want to at first, and uh, then she finally did announce him as the winner by forfeit. 
And then Brian went into his wild, over-the-top celebration, just like he does anytime he has a victory. Uh, you know, just really putting it over. The crowd was super hot for him. And then Teddy Long's music hit. He interrupts and comes out and says that uh, before Brian celebrates the victory, you should remember he hasn't competed just yet, but that Teddy was going to take care of that. He had found someone, a volunteer, who was willing to take Orton's place for him. And Seamus' music hit. He came out to a huge, uh, a huge reaction. We cut to commercial at that point. Uh, you know, I, reading your report, I, I think we're in agreement on this. Just, you know, he, he rebounded well at this point, Brian did. It was not a good week for him the past couple of weeks with his promos. This week he did a fantastic job. And I think primarily because he stayed away from, you know, being a total I'm vegan and therefore I'm better than you type promo. This was about what he had done in the ring and what he was going to do in the ring. Yeah, this is a much better uh, kind of pure heel promo than uh, yeah. than what we've been getting recently out of him, and that that was good to see, just because I I don't think the uh, the vegan subject matter was benefiting him, and I think the the tamer reaction that he got during those promos was evidence of that, and you know perhaps they they realized that that wasn't going anywhere, and then they're going to go back to something you know that has a little bit more red meat, uh, no pun intended, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know that's the, you know I, I don't think people were going to get into that vegan character, and, and hopefully they're going to back off of that. I think parts of it can be integrated into his you know into his persona because it is who he is, and uh, you know that they can work that in somewhat, but it shouldn't be the focus of his character. And he uh, he definitely rebounded with a much better promo tonight. Yeah, certainly he can throw in a line here and there about it, but to, to make it the core of his promos like the last few weeks were, I think is a mistake. And hopefully, you know that's that's why we didn't hear it tonight is because the writers went back and went, huh. That's really not working. Let's just make him more of a traditional heel and, and make him a little bit of a badass, which is something we've been calling for for some time. His heel runs and, and the indie scene were built around him just being the best in the world and going out there and making guys tap out. And uh, we were hoping to see a little bit of that and, and more of that this week than anything else. So I think that's why it worked. After the commercial, we did have our fourth match of the night. Daniel Bryan defeating Sheamus by disqualification at 6 minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, we were reminded very quickly in this match uh, why if these two guys end up being, if this ends up being the WrestleMania match, just these two guys, for that World Heavyweight Championship, uh, we're going to be okay. I think we can agree on that. The finish on this comes with uh, Sheamus is, is, is hitting Brian in the corner. Uh, he, the referee, of course, starts counting. He breaks it three. Brian slaps Sheamus. I mean, just slapped the taste out of his mouth. It's just unbelievable slap. Uh, which caused Sheamus to go nuts and start pounding on Brian again in the corner. This time he breaks it four uh, at the last second before he's disqualified. Brian hops up on the top rope, and as Sheamus closes in, he spits. Brian spits in Sheamus' face. That's it. That's all you need. You get uh, Sheamus going nuts, just wailing on Daniel Bryan, refusing to break. The ref finally uh, has to disqualify him, and Brian is able to roll from the ring uh, and get his belt and leave. I had Sheamus there in the ring, looking like the, the, the old evil Sheamus of old uh, before his baby face turn. And so we got, while well, we got a great match, we got the ending that you expected. Daniel Bryan, of course, escapes again by disqualification. You know, it, it, he's, he's not, I guess they're, they're just different enough from the Miz and, and that sort of chicken shit heel that he doesn't feel the same. It, it, it's awful close. It's borderline. Uh, but they, you know, they've managed to find, more you know, other ways to get to have him win by DQ uh, than they do have him lose by DQ, which I think is the my biggest problem when you see heels get themselves intentionally disqualified. 
this is a little bit better, I think, when the heel causes the, the babyface to get himself disqualified and therefore giving him the victory. But a, a really good six-and-a-half-minute match and, and one that, you know, if you give them, I think, 20 minutes at WrestleMania, they could put on a fantastic match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I thought the match, you know, storyline-wise was very well done. You know, you have the... You have the, the you know the very over baby face challenger uh, you know who gets huge crowd reactions but has you know known anger problems and then you have the you know kind of cerebral smaller uh, heel who you know has, has to resort to either uh, you know using his uh, his mind or you know maybe just perhaps catching a submission to get a victory against a, a larger and stronger opponent and then and so he uses his brain power you know he he just uh, he he picks on the weakness of the he, or the baby face and and gets the guy to disqualify himself for the win. So, I don't know. I thought it worked very well, and I thought it set up a very good potential storyline, uh, you know, for WrestleMania where they can expand on, you know, how uh, how Brian could get in Sheamus's head. And if that's the story, then I'm, I'm kind of satisfied with it. I think it should work. No disagreement from me. We went backstage. Wade Barrett was uh, in Teddy Long's office and asked, you know, who, who Orton's replacement was going to be in the tournament, or excuse me, he said tournament, in the elimination chamber. Cody Rhodes comes in at that point, says that, uh, you know, he's going to go on to beat everybody at the Elimination Chamber. He listed everybody in the match so far. It's, you know, this guy is talking about Wade Barrett. But I need to know who that final, who that fifth and final competitor is. Teddy said he didn't know, but that he was going to, that they were going to solve it by having a battle royal. And said that anybody who had ever laced up their boots in the company, Raw, SmackDown, ECW, NXT, it didn't matter. Anybody who had ever laced up their boots was going to have an opportunity to be in the Elimination Chamber by being in that Royal Rumble. Um, Teddy, or excuse me, uh, Cody said, you can't do that. And, and, and uh, Teddy Long said, I just did. They cut the commercial. I just, I, you know, they had to announce about a Royal in some way. This was, was okay, but it just seemed silly to have Wade and Cody there. I, I don't know. I don't understand why he didn't just come out and announce it's going to be a battle royal. So this, kind of, this seemed contrived to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, they thought the way to get there was to have two people in the match kind of demand to know who the replacement was going to be so they could prepare. And, you know, Teddy gave, you know, the <laughs> not his best promo ever, but, uh, you know, they, they got through it and they announced the match. I mean, it, it just felt more like, well, we need some way to get here, so this is the filler we came up with. Yeah. It was. It didn't seem like it was something that was planned. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just, it just, it was contrived. And this was again the shot. If you look, if you go back and watch this shot, you can see they're showing the big can lights that are built into the ceiling of Kenny Long's office again. I mean, it just, it's so blatantly. I, not that most people watching don't know, but I, you know, it's, you know, think about it. If you're watching any show on television, any show on television, whether it's reality or whether it's, you know, it's scripted, just anything, and you're sitting there watching, and all of a sudden you see the, the cam lights hanging from above. You're going to go, oh, wait, I'm not watching. You know, what I'm watching is, is, is made up. It's fake, and it's, it's hard to suspend disbelief when you see stuff like that. So, so gaffes from the production team tonight, just surprising gaffes. After commercial, we have Jinder Mahal making his way to the ring. We get the ceremony again with him placing the turban into that, that lead sand plastic container. Again, no explanation for why it's significant uh, or just anything about it at all. We get, you know, Cole kind of put it over a little bit but didn't give any details. It's just it's very important to Mahal, but we have no reason why. Zeke's out next, and we get our fifth match of the night. Jinder Mahal defeating Ezekiel Jackson at two minutes and ten seconds. Uh, Two-minute match, we get a couple of DDTs from Jinder and a couple of uh, camel clutch holds. Uh, 
you get uh, Zeke powering out of the first camel clutch move, but then Mahalo hitting a second DDP and locking on the camel clutch for a second time, and Zeke taps out to that. You know, it's okay, you beat Ezekiel Jackson, who hasn't made anything in a long time. I don't think getting the big guy to tap out means as much as it should. I don't understand the purpose of the, the turban in the, the case. If you're going to do it, you need to establish why, some sort of cut-in promo, something. Give me something, some reason to care about that. This just this is a mess to me. They, 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 just, they don't know what to do with Jinder Mahal, it looks like. Yeah, they definitely don't. And, you know, it's too bad because it seems like the guy has quite a bit of talent. I mean, he's, he's not bad on the mic. Uh, you know, he's, he's decent in the ring. You know, he's definitely worthy of, you know, a mid-card spot on the roster. Um, but they just can't seem to find, you know, a character that works for him. It just kind of felt like, well, we're going to put a turban on him because turban equals heat. And now we're going to try to figure out, you know, some kind of ceremony for him to take it off when he gets to the ring. But we're not going to explain it. I, mean, I don't know. The poor guy is just kind of out there with no material, and I feel bad for him. Yeah, God, you know what? When you said that, I could actually hear Vince McMahon in my head go, well, put a turban on him because turban equals heat. Uh, it, it just... You know, that, I had no problem believing that that was the conversation that happened whatsoever. Uh, we get, uh, at that point we got a video that kind of showed, a, a, a mix of, uh, Jimmy Snuka and Tamina Snuka's different splashes that they've done. Uh, Jimmy's, of course, over the years, and Tamina's just really over the past few weeks. Uh, and then we get a, uh, a, uh, excuse me, they now seem plugged the Divas Tag Team match for next. And our sixth match of the night, Tamina and Alicia Fox defeating Beth Phoenix and Natalia at 2 minutes and 46 seconds. I'm watching this show. I'm jumping up and down thinking, yay, they're going straight to the ring. We're not going to get a Natalia fart moment. We don't have to watch this stupid stuff again. Damn it. No. Not only do we get another mm. fart moment, it plays into the friggin' finish of the match. You've got uh, um, Natalia. She's got Alicia Fox in the uh, in the sharpshooter. The ref is bent down asking Alicia if she wants to tap. All of a sudden, he pulls back, starts shaking his head, pulls his shirt up over his nose like he's a friggin' five-year-old trying to cover up from the fart. Natalia looks at him, asks what he's doing. Alicia is able to sneak over and tag in Tamina, who comes in, hits the Samoan slam, and then the splash on Natty for the victory. Uh, post-match, uh, Beth Phoenix runs in. She gets a kick from Tamina. Tamina goes to the top to hit a splash onto her, but Beth recovers at the last second and rolls to the floor, grabs her belt and leaves, screaming at Tamina that you'll never get your hands on my belt. I, you know, I, 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 I don't even know what to say. I cannot believe that we're continuing to do a fart joke on SmackDown every week. I, and now it's playing into the finish? Are you serious? I wouldn't. You know, why should the ref care if she took a dump on her back? She's in a submission hole. Just find out if she's going to tap or not. Yeah, because I'm sure the ref, you know, he's never been subject to being farted on in his life. <laughs> he has no brothers, no friends, nothing. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I don't uh, I don't really get the storyline. I mean, and what happened in the ring made no sense. I mean, you know, to me, or, uh, Natty basically, you know, let go of the submission to, to accost the ref, and there's no reason why she would have had to do that. Uh, so, yeah, the whole thing played out. It was stupid. And obviously, you know, they're, they're trying to harass Natalia for some unknown reason. Uh, you know, is this going to lead to a baby face turn? I don't know. You know, Beth didn't seem terribly happy with her during the match. So uh, I guess we'll see. But, uh, yeah, this, this storyline is just horrifying. 
and, and to be fair, I mean, it was it was only a two and a half minute match, but it was one of the better Divas matches we've had in some time. But it's you know, it's like okay, you're doing a great match, and now the finish is going to come on a fart joke. It's like they they cannot help themselves; they have to ruin the Divas any chance they get. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't hear about WWE hiring Kevin Smith, but apparently we're getting fart jokes on, on SmackDown now. It's just so absolutely frustrating at this point. But anyway, I, and, and you know, I think Tamina and Beth have the potential to give us a decent match on Sunday. Do you? I mean, as you said in your report, it's hard to get behind any of this because they've just, you know, they, they've conditioned us very effectively to not care about the Divas. But I, I do think they have the potential to give us a decent match on Sunday. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, I don't mean any disrespect to Tamina or Beth Phoenix. I think they're both probably, you know, some of the better workers WWE has. But, uh, you know, the, just the way that they only give them a couple of minutes per show and what they do give them, you know, uh, oftentimes is, you know, just so ridiculous. I mean, you know, not only – it would have been fine if this match would have ended with Tamina pinning Natalia. I mean, that, that you know, nobody would have said anything about that, but – you know, it's just the way it happens where you got a title feud that, you know, relies on a fart joke to succeed. I mean, it just doesn't doesn't really inspire anything in me. I don't know what it does for other people, but I just kind of groan at it. Oh, well, they come backstage. It doesn't get any better from here. They come backstage, and John Laurinaitis just comes up to Teddy Long. He's got David Otunga with him. He asks why uh, Teddy was allowing guys with no name, talents, and guys with no charisma to compete in the spots of the chamber. He said that David Otunga would be entering the Battle Royal to help fill that gap for Teddy. Teddy said that was fine with him, and then asked Otunga what that smell was. Otunga said it was his designer cologne. And then Teddy responded that where he was from, lawyers had a stank on them, and Otunga had it bad. I mean, really? Now we've got more class warfare type sort of thing? You know, it's, it's, you've got Jive, Teddy, and, 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 and Harvard, David Otunga. I just got, you know, it's... I don't know. For me, it's just I just I just sit there and go, really? Why? What what purpose does that serve? I, that's how you're going to get guys over for, with heel and babyface heat is to say, yeah, I'm from the street and, and lawyers stink and you're a lawyer so you stink. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't really get it either. I, I don't know what – I mean, are they setting up a feud where I – mean, I, I know uh, Otunga said on Raw uh, recently that, that him and Laura Knight just have a plan where he'll end up as GM of both Raw and SmackDown. So – I don't know if they're trying to start a feud with Laurinaitis and Long, and Otunga's just going to be a part of it because he's, you know, he's uh, he's a lackey of uh, of Laurinaitis, and now you know maybe it'll be Santino and Otunga starting a feud as a secondary feud to go along with. I don't know. It's, it's just, I mean, I can see where they're going, and none of it looks very good to me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just, you know, I I hate these kind of contrived. I guess more than anything else, I hate when you have feuds, any type of feud that's based on. Something that's a real problem in society, you know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't want to build a feud around child abuse. So, and granted, this is not, does not rise to that level, but if you've got something that's a real problem in society, why, you know, and, and a significant problem like, like class warfare can be, why play that up? I just don't get it. Uh, the announcing uh, hypes that they're going to replay the Kane, that Kane destruction of Zack Ryder from Monday. They do play the video that shows the, uh, that kind of recaps everything that's going on with Cena and Kane over the past few weeks. Um, it did. I thought it did a pretty good job of turning what's been a terrible feud, just an awful feud, into a mildly stinky feud. 
Um, I, I don't think they can actually turn it into a good-looking feud, even even as great as the production team is for WWE. That when you got, you know, it's, as the old joke goes, you can't turn chicken shit into chicken salad, and there's a whole lot of chicken shit involved with this. Uh, this, but they did show uh, footage of Ryder getting tossed off of the stage in a wheelchair from Monday's Raw. And if you've had one of those weeks where you haven't had a chance to watch much much wrestling, and you're just listening to this to get your fix, go back and see that bump. <laughs> Because I felt really bad for Ryder after that show went off the air. I mean, that was one of the ugliest-looking things. Um, I heard another radio show I was listening to, somebody talking about it earlier this week. I can't remember who it was. that was saying, you know, I don't know if, if Kane was supposed to kind of rock him back a little bit, so he went off at an angle to help make him land. But he went off flat, and uh, his, his legs, his, his ankles kind of rolled up underneath near the wheels. And it was a, it was a pretty sick-looking bump. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, we got a chance to look at it in kind of half slow motion uh, during this promo, and it did not look any better once you slowed the camera down. I mean, he folded up at the ankles, and then his knees kind of took the brunt of the impact, and I don't know, man. He, he's got to be a hurting unit right now. Yeah, that was, I mean, I realize these guys, you know, they, they kind of hurt all the time a little bit, but, whew, that's, uh, that's tough. And then, of course, as I, as I said in .NET Weekly, that guy's been stretched out more in the past month than, uh, than Danny the Mannequin did back when I was an EMS. That, He's getting to be like Kenny, man. He just, every week he just comes back for more, <laughs> this horrible abuse. He really is. I'm, I mean, they've, they've, they've taken him out of the backboard so much, the backboard's got his body print on him at this <laughs> yeah. point. It's, uh, it's, it's a rough time to be Zack Ryder. Uh, but we get, uh, of course, the, uh, at that point, the announcement runs down the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view matches. Uh, we only have the four matches again listed so far. You've got the Raw uh, Elimination Chamber, SmackDown Elimination Chamber, John Cena versus Kane in the ambulance match, uh, and then, of course, Tamina and Beth Phoenix for the Divas Championship. I expect one more match to, to be added at some point. I, cause I don't, you know, God, even if those two, um, even if, if the, uh, the elimination chambers go an hour each, counting entrances, which is a long time. You're looking at you know 45 minutes when you uh, actual entering time if you count entrances with that. So even if those go an hour each, that's two hours. That leaves you a half hour, leaves you an hour for Cena and Kane and the uh, the Divas match. I just can't see the Divas match getting that much time. So um, nor Cena Kane going a half hour. Uh, you know, I, it just there's got to be one more match added at this point. Anybody's guess what it'll be? It might be Unico and uh, uh, Teddy Biasi. Might be uh, the Usos going for the tag titles again. But I expect one more match to be announced at that show. Uh, which you know, it's, it always makes sense to to add a match on the pay per view instead of you know letting people decide if that's a reason to buy, right? Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I can't imagine they're going to put Hunico and DiBiase on there. I would I would assume it would be the tag team match, and you know I guess the the tag titles are kind of the uh, the you know adopted kids of the WWE at this point. I mean they're just kind of not paid much attention to, uh, but they uh, you know they're, they're good to add onto a card if you got something to you know if you got time to kill. So we get the locker room that issues out to the SmackDown theme. We go into commercial and we come back. David Otunga gets his own entrance, and that leads to our seventh and final match of the night. Santino Morella winning the Battle Royal to become the final entrance for the Elimination Chamber at 16 minutes and 49 seconds. Derek Bateman was from NXT was the first guy out. Percy Watson was out next. You get a, a bunch of the guys from NXT were out early. Uh, this did have a commercial break in the middle of it, obviously, with, a, with about a 17-minute match. Your final four... David Otunga, Santino Morella, Drew McIntyre, and Ezekiel Jackson. 
had I not known the spoilers, and I'm looking at these final four, let, let me ask you that question. If you, if you didn't know the spoilers, didn't know what had happened, and you've got McIntyre, Jackson, Otunga, and Morella in the ring, who would you think at that point would be going to the chance? Uh, You know, without hearing anything, I would have probably thought McIntyre. Yeah. yeah. That's where I was thinking, too, was that, you know, when, the, when I got the, the updates on Tuesday night and the guy goes, this was your final four, I thought, well, that's, that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because at that point, not if it's if it's raw and it's live, and so I don't know what's happening, I'm going McIntyre. McIntyre's the guy going over here. They're finally going to right that ship. Not only was he not the guy who went over, he was the first of the final four out. And, uh, he goes out. Santino actually eliminates all three final guys uh, to be the winner. The place goes nuts afterwards. David Otunga had a pretty nasty elimination, or it looked like it could have been for a second. He, you know, he could have gotten hurt there. Uh, when he went over the top rope, his foot got called up, and the second rope came up over the top rope and hung his ankle for just a second. Uh, he slipped out pretty quick, but that's one of those weird things where if it pulls just the right way, you get a groin injury or an ankle injury just, you know, by bad luck. I uh, didn't notice anything during the show and haven't heard anything since then about it, but certainly a, a moment that make you catch your breath watching it. Santino wins. Again, we talked about this top of the show. Big response for him. Huge crowd pop. But, uh, you know, it's, and, and it is what it is. He, he is your final entrant, at least for now, in the Elimination Chamber. You know, it's a battle royal. I hate battle royals as a general rule. This one was, was okay. I mean, it, it, it was a battle royal. There's not a whole lot that you can really say about them as far as, as any entertainment. It was interesting that there were very few names in there. Uh, it looked like, a, you know, it looked like a, a battle royal for the number one contender to say the, the Intercontinental or U.S. Championship more so than an Elimination Chamber match. Uh, but, you know, it was it was what it was. It was a battle royal, and it was fair for one. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad match. I, I uh, you know, I found myself at least paying attention to it, which is more than I could say for some of those 40-man battle royals that they did on SmackDown probably going on almost a year ago now. But, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting match in the respect that there wasn't a whole lot of major-name talent in there. Yet, you know, the people that were in there managed to have a pretty good match, and they managed to keep the crowd engaged, and there were some reactions for the elimination. So, you know, overall it wasn't bad, and Santino getting the win, uh, you know, definitely made the crowd happy. There was a huge reaction for him. And uh, I guess we'll have to see, you know, how it plays out with, you know, potentially, uh, you know, Mark Henry getting involved with the pay-per-view or, or somebody like that, um, you know, because it, uh, it definitely feels like that this was the, you know, the feel-good moment, and then, you know, they might want to put some heat on somebody at the pay-per-view. Well, I, you know, I certainly hope so. I, it's, it's nothing against Santino. I mean, they keep him in, like I said, part of me hopes they keep him in just to see what they're going to do out, out of just a kind of a sick, hey, I wonder how this plays out point of view. But uh, certainly from a wrestling point of view, I'd rather see somebody else. But we will find out Sunday night. Jason Powell and I, again, will be back on Sunday for double coverage of the uh, WWE Elimination Chamber pay-per-view and all the fallout leading into WrestleMania. And, of course, back afterwards that night with an audio review of that show, but that one, again, will be members only. So if you'd like to hear that audio review, plus all the audio we do each and every week, access to the ad-free version of the site and to the members forum and members blog section, all you have to do is head over to ProWrestling.net, click on the right-hand side of the page, and click on the .net member sign-up link. Seven fifty a month if you want to get started for just 30 days. Five fifty a month, save you 24 bucks. If you take the annual option, and again, now is the time to do it. WrestleMania is just six weeks away, and all kinds of things happen between now and then. 
Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun build. We're going to start seeing The Rock more. Obviously, we have Undertaker and Shawn Michaels hyped for uh, at least two, if not three, of the Raws between now and WrestleMania. SmackDown Live next Tuesday. Jake and I will be back for an audio review of that show that night as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Everybody enjoy the Elimination Chamber on Sunday. We will see you back next Tuesday night for a live SmackDown. Take care.